Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And they just wanted relief from Rome. But here he comes, and he, his message is different. And because he wasn't what they thought he should be or what they wanted him to be, they rejected him. And rather, instead of embracing the, the eternal life that only Christ could give us, they rejected him and instead put him to death on the cross. His first ad, advent when he came was to die for the sin of man and secure his bride for his father, for himself. But his second coming is going to be quite different. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues in chapter 2 of First Peter. Peter tells us that Christ was rejected by men. The Apostle John, in his gospel, tells us in chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Peter reminds us that even though the world rejected Jesus, he still chose us who believe in him as the Son of God. He is our cornerstone, which allows us who believe in him to be built up as his church. Let's join Pastor Rob for today's study. We're actually not going to get to verse 12. We're just basically going to be getting to uh, verse 6, really to verse uh, 10, I believe. But I just want to back up a little bit um, And let's just read uh, the first ten verses. The Apostle Peter, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy and envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. And this morning, obviously, uh, the, the theme is really the cornerstone. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. 
And I'm just going to back up to verse 4, and we're just going to review a little bit of what we talked about last week, and we're going to get right into the portion that we're going to look at today. It says in verse 4, Coming to him as a living stone, we know that, and he was rejected indeed by men, but chosen of God. And so, a living stone, Jesus. When you think of a stone, it's inanimate. It's just there. It's a solid mass, and it does nothing. But he is the foundation. He is the rock-solid foundation of our faith. There's no other foundation like it in all the earth. And yet, he's alive. He's very much alive. He's in heaven right now, interceding for you and I, that where he is, we might also be. And may it be so that before the end of this service, we're with him. Amen? But he says, coming to him as a living stone, he was indeed rejected, but chosen by God. We know in the, in the prophets, in Isaiah, it says that he was rejected. He was rejected. He was a man of sorrows. And we know that the Jews rejected Jesus because they were looking for a warrior king. They had been under the bondage of Rome. They just wanted somebody to deliver them. They weren't looking for someone who would save them from their sins. That was far from their thoughts. They were just... They just wanted to be delivered from the yoke of Rome. Because Rome had covered the whole earth, practically, all the known world. And they just wanted relief from Rome. But here he comes, and he, his message is different. And because he wasn't what they thought he should be, or what they wanted him to be, they rejected him. And rather, instead of embracing the, the eternal life that only Christ could give us, they rejected him and instead put him to death on the cross. His first ad, advent, when he came, was to die for the sin of man and secure his bride for his father, for himself. But his second coming is going to be quite different. He will put all enemies under his feet. He is, as Daniel foretold, the mountain made without hands who will come and smash the feet of every world government. And ultimately, Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem forever. And we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Everybody smile. That's a wonderful thought. To rule and reign with Christ. No longer any fake news. No longer any uh, nonsense. Political powers. There's going to be one power. We don't see that now because we see chaos, but there's going to be one day that he is going to come on the foot of the Mount of Olives, and that, that mountain, when he steps down on that foot of the Mount of Olives, that thing's going to crack like an egg. I love that. You can read about it in Zechariah chapter 14. It's going to split in two. It's going to be a pretty huge seismic event. Anything in that area is going to be decimated. It's a huge, huge event. But he is the rock And he was chosen by God. He was precious. And there was no one who could do what Jesus could do. And you remember there were many opportunities or many um, times in the the Bible, a couple at least, (laughs) uh, where God broke through and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. He's chosen by God. The world wouldn't have chosen him. You and I wouldn't have chosen him. I wouldn't have chosen him. Until he illuminated my heart by his spirit, I had no dealings with Christ. I could care less about him. I had people telling me all the time about Jesus, but I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what you said before you came to Christ when somebody would share with you? I'm good. Really? The Bible says there's none good. But you're good. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, I'm good. I'm satisfied with where I'm at in my mess. I'm satisfied in my mess. But in verse 5, He says, you also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house. Aren't you glad that you're part of the body of Christ? You are a stone 
that is fitted. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. We're going to get to that. You are the stone that's being placed on this foundation, and you're being built up. And we looked last week at Romans chapter 12 and just the differing gifts in the body, the wonderful diversity in the body of Christ. And we also looked at 1 Corinthians 12 because it talked about this unity and this diversity. But it's a good diversity because diversity today can mean something completely different. Diversity in the eyes of God are everybody of every tongue and every nation, every race, male or female, young or old, it doesn't matter. That is true diversity. And that's what he embraces because he created it all. He's not ashamed of anything. He made everything beautiful. It doesn't matter whether you're Asian, Caucasian, whether you're, um, it doesn't matter. You could be green like the Grinch. He doesn't care. Whatever you are, whoever you are, he loves you. And he paid the greatest price, the very price of God's life on the cross for you and me. Boy, what a, what a great deal that is. He did all the dying, now we can do all the living. And yet he says to make yourselves a living sacrifice. He doesn't cause you to die physically, but to die to ourselves, certainly. But he did all the dying that we could have eternal life. That's a great, great gift And you know, if we really comprehended it, we would sell everything we have if we had to and say, Lord, I want that. I want to buy that gift. Aren't you glad that the price was so great that you couldn't pay it? But yet he paid for it for you because of his great love. Because of his great love. You're a spiritual house. You're a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter uh, 2, excuse me, Paul says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fit, fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I love that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, and we are the stones built upon that one foundation, the only foundation. Do you think that you are unimportant in the church? Do you feel like you're invalid? Is there something about your life that you think, God can't receive me, even though I've proclaimed faith in Christ? Do you feel outside the wall of Christ? Well, if you're, in, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are part of the family regardless of what you can offer. But God has a plan for you. He's always had a plan for you. Do you think that it's only the big shots in the Christian church that are of any value? Well, there are no big shots. There's only one big shot, and that's God Almighty. He is the only one. All of us are the same. We've all been created equal. Not one of us is better than the other. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, Do you not know that you are the temple of the living God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which you are. You are the temple of the living God. And if I, if, if I am the temple of the living God and so are you, how ought we to take care of each other? How ought to we take care of ourselves, being good stewards with this body that he has given to us, given, being good stewards with the mind that he's given to us, 
being good stewards with everything that he has given to us. And then he goes on and he says, offer up spiritual sacrifices. What is a spiritual sacrifice? You know, God doesn't require us to sacrifice animals any longer because we know that that's true. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. Notice, it's just a reasonable service. It's just a reasonable thing for us to do in response to what Jesus has done. See, that's true worship. When we respond to Jesus for what he has already done, that's always the way it is. We're always responding to what he has already done. See, I can't initiate anything myself. There's nothing good within me to say, God, I bring this to you. I'm not like Cain who brought the, the fruit of the ground and said, look at this beautiful thing that I've made. And God says, I have to reject it. There's no sacrifice in this at all. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. The one thing that I have done, my son on the cross, that is the greatest sacrifice. That is the purest worship that ever occurred on the planet. But a spiritual sacrifice is any act of your own volition that honors the Lord. And you know, sometimes singing and worshiping can be a spiritual sacrifice because you may come in here and you're like, the, the, the farthest thing from your mind is wanting to sing. You don't want to sing, but you do anyway. That's a spiritual sacrifice. Or what about getting involved in local or overseas missions where the climate is difficult and may not agree with you, or many won't notice or appreciate your service to the Lord? And where someone else may get the credit for the work that you did or the idea that you had that made a big difference. Death to self is a spiritual sacrifice. Or how about serving in a capacity that puts you way out of your comfort zone, out of your skill set. And each one of us have skills in certain areas. And God says that spiritual sacrifice is trusting in me because it has something to do with it on the inside. There's nothing outward about it. It's all what he's doing on the inside. It's a spiritual sacrifice. Lord, I lay my life down. I don't have skills in this area. Lord, I can't do this. But what did Paul say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but we won't know that until we get out there and try. We won't know that until we step out into that on the water like Peter did. Let me tell you, that was a big spiritual sacrifice for him because it defied nature it defied logic it defied it, it it defied everything in psalm 51 david says for you do not desire sacrifice or else i would give it you don't delight in burnt offering but the sacrifices of god are a broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart these o god you will not despise So don't be afraid. Step out in faith. Step out in faith and trust the Lord. You honor him when you step out in faith. But pray. Some people are to step out in presumption. Pray. Is what I'm doing, does it it add up to what the Bible says? Do I have good ground when I'm stepping out, or is it something just foolish that I'm thinking about doing? You know, Lord, I think it might be a good idea for me to get this mortgage. In Malibu, there's houses like $1.7 billion. It's right on the shore. Beautiful, Lord. I could use it for your glory. So I'm going to step out in faith and, 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 and get a mortgage out. And he's like, no, that's, that's foolishness. <laughs> that's presumption. But notice, 
In verse 6, where our text really starts today, he says, Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him, there it is again. He, he takes the metaphor, he characterizes who that cornerstone is. It's Jesus. It's him. Will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, thus saith the Lord. And this is, um, I love this verse in Isaiah. Because Peter here is quoting from Isaiah 28, verse 16. And 700 years before Jesus was born, it was prophesied. Isaiah, the great prophet, said, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. And I love how Peter takes that and says, Well, that that cornerstone is Christ. When you look at it in Isaiah... You might think something different, but when he accurately uses what the Holy Spirit meant by that, and it was indeed Christ. You know, whenever a foundation is built, um, if you're a mason, if you're a home builder, you know that the foundation is critical. And there is a cornerstone. There is a cornerstone that has to be placed, and they fuss about that. Very much, until that stone is just right. They get out the surveyors, they get out all the instruments, the, the plummets, the lines, they make sure that this thing is flat, they make sure it's even, that, and then they lay that cornerstone, and they have to get it just right, because they have to draw up a, a line in each direction. And it better not be skewed, because if it is, then your house is going to be all out of joint. So a great amount of care is taken in putting that cornerstone in place. It's the first stone in the construction of a foundation. And every stone is put in, remember, in, uh, in reference to that stone. You know, there, were big, there was a big ceremony on May 3rd of 1925. The Jewish Community Center in Washington, D.C., they were doing a, uh, an inauguration of their building. And so it's kind of hard to see here, but over on the left side there of your screen, you see that big stone here, and this is the foundation stone right here. This is the cornerstone, and they were going to put that thing in place, and that thing had to be exactly right. They made sure that this thing was perfect, as perfect as could be, and yet Jesus Christ, he is the greatest cornerstone. The Temple Institute in Jerusalem, in the Jewish quarter, uh, at their website, they have this, they say this, says, at this website, you may view photographs of the actual sacred temple vessels that have been produced by the Temple Institute. Each vessel has been created by accomplished craftsmen, and these vessels and priestly garments are being fashioned today according to the exact biblical requirements specifically for the use in the future holy temple. They await the day when they will be called into the divine service of the holy temple. Okay, and I've actually been there. Many of you here have been to Israel, and you've been to the, the Temple Institute, and they're very serious. They've got all the accoutrements ready for the next temple, the next one. And another group, on May twenty first, 2019, if you recall this event, these folks are called the Temple Mount and Land of Israel Faithful Movement, and they attempted to bring a 13-ton cornerstone from Munitions Hill, all the way to the Jaffa Gate in Jerusalem. And it nearly started a nuclear war. <laughs> because here these Jews were bringing this cornerstone, and they had every intent to bring it up on the Temple Mount and start building the new temple. 
and the Temple Mount and the Land of Israel Faithful Movement, they are not associated with each other at all. But there are plans to get this cornerstone into place. And yet, we know that that temple is not going to be inhabited by our Lord. The Bible says the next temple that's going to be built is going to be allowed to be built there by the Antichrist. So who's going to be in that temple? The Antichrist. When Jesus comes, like I said before, when he sets foot on the Mount of Olives at the end of the tribulation period, there's going to be a seismic event, and it's going to clear everything off, and he's going to build a new temple. Ezekiel gives all the dimensions, and by the way, it dwarfs anything that you see on the Temple Mount right now. It dwarfs it. Huge complex. So this temple is really insignificant. But Jesus Christ, he is the cornerstone. Because wherever he is, that's where heaven is. When he's on the earth, heaven is on earth. When we are with him, we are in heaven. Amen? But he is the precious cornerstone. In verse 7, it says, Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Psalm 18 is part of a group of psalms called the Hallel Psalms. And Jesus, when he was in the upper room that night before he was captured and crucified, ultimately the next day, him and his disciples sang a hymn. It says in Matthew 26, And when they had sung a hymn after the... the Passover was done after the breaking of the bread and the, the drinking of the wine. It says they sung a hymn, and they went out under the Mount of Olives, and that's where he would ultimately be captured. But they sung this Hallel Psalm, this Psalm 113 through 118, and Psalm 118 is the one that we're looking at this morning in addition to uh, the verses in Peter, because it says this. In verse 21 of Psalm 118, I will praise you. For you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. You think about the Psalms and you think of how long ago the Psalm was written. A thousand years B.C., before Christ was born, this scripture, this Psalm was written. And then fast forward about three or four hundred years and then you have Daniel. In the book of Daniel, you remember he was interpreting, interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. No one else could do it. No one else was able, but Daniel and his three fellows, God gave them the interpretation of the dream. And notice what Daniel said in chapter 2, verse 34. He said this, he says, You watched, Nebuchadnezzar, you watched in your dream that there was a stone that was cut without hands, which struck the image, because he was referring to this image that Nebuchadnezzar had seen, an image where the head was made of gold, the chest was made of silver, and the body was made of bronze, and then the, 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 and then the feet and the legs were made of uh, bronze and, uh, or iron, and then iron mixed with clay. And each of these spoke of different world governments. And Daniel said, you saw all of that, king. And then you saw a stone that was cut without hands come and smash the feet of that thing. If you're going to smash something, do you start at the head? You might miss. <laughs> but if you hit the feet, all that weight comes tumbling down. 
He said, You watched while a stone was cut without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, they were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that there was no trace of them found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Speaking of Jesus when he comes again in his second coming. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.